This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com. You're listening to The Church Boys Free Fall Q&A. It's Billy Hollowell here with The Church Boys, and I'm very excited uh, to have Ann Graham Watts here today. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you, Billy. So you're busy. You have a lot going on. You know, a lot going I always have a lot going on, but I'm so thankful that I've had opportunities, and I believe God has given them to me, so I have a strong sense of purpose. You know, I, well, I love, I love that. to be busy. Yeah. I love that, well, and, and you are busy. Let's, let's start with prayer. Uh, because I think we're, obviously, we're recording this the day after the National Day of Prayer. And you have an announcement about the National Day of Prayer, which is very exciting. Uh, you're going to be chairing uh, the task force. Tell me a little bit about how that came to be. We were just two months ago, Shirley Dobson, who has done this for 25 years. There have only been two women who have been in charge of it. Vonette Bright, who is Bill Bright's um, wife, started it. And then Shirley Dobson took it over for 25 years. And about two months ago, she called me just out of the blue and asked me if I would take it over for her. And so I prayed about it. In fact, I, I did like Daniel did. I set aside time to pray and fast and just seek God. And I felt he confirmed from his word that, that this was his will for me at this point. I'm not going to leave my ministry. So I'm still doing what I do, which is to give out God's word. But now I've added to that the emphasis on prayer, which, uh, so I've just doubled my business. <laughs> yeah. And in a time commitment, I would imagine yeah. it's probably a substantial time commitment for you. Yeah, I'll, I'll have very little time to myself, but that's okay. So I, between what I do for um, my own ministry and what I'll do for National Day of Prayer, um, I'll take just about it. You'll be even busier. <laughs> but it's um, time to be busy about God's things. I think, you know, I think the night is coming when nobody can work. And Jesus said, you work while it's day. And this is day, and this is the time to take the opportunities he gives us. Especially with sort of what's been going on. I think, you know, a lot of conversations I have with people about culture, and I mean, these are things you're very familiar with, but things just seem very disconnected. They seem very, like they're disconnecting further and further from sort of a moral center, which would be God for, for Christians like us who believe that. Um, why is prayer in your view? It's such a simple thing, prayer. You hear about it all the time. But why do you think prayer is an important thing for us, especially now, where we are? I think it's not just important. I think that it's critical. I think um, our prayers will determine the future of America. And I've, I've always prayed. I'm not a prayer. You know how you, I don't know if you hear people described as a prayer warrior. Yeah. You know, and I'm not. You know, I, I pray because I need God. And, um, and I'm commanded to pray, and so I pray. But prayer, prayer has always been a struggle for me. But about four years ago, God called me to stay home and take care of my husband. And so I got off the road. I concentrated on radio, social media, writing, um, things like that. And, and so in the quiet, not quietness, but not traveling and running around, um, God just drew me more into prayer. And until in the last two or three years, it's like a compulsion. It's like a heavy burden to pray. So um, my ministry, Angel Ministries, we offered several prayer initiatives um, where I would write the prayers and 
people would come and, and get the prayers online. And we drew in tens of thousands of people. I mean, the first one had like 220,000 people that participated in that. And wow. Because people, I think they want to pray. They just don't exactly know how. But if you'll lead them, if you'll show them, then they pray. So I took um, that burden and God uh, had placed on my heart 15 years ago, Daniel chapter 9, which is Daniel's prayer for his people. And so it's taken me 15 years to write this book, but I've written this book to help people just have a pattern for their prayers, especially for our nation, because we are disconnected. We, there's frustration, there's anger, there's fear. And I think it's because God is removing himself because we've defied him. We're telling him to get out, and so he is. And so what we're sensing is that our nation is missing God. Yeah. And um, he's withdrawn. And the only way to get him back is to pray. You can't, you can't elect a politician. You can't have legislation. You can't have money or education. That's not going to bring God back. It's the prayers of God's people that will bring him back into the culture. And, and that's why I feel like we need to pray. Do you think a lot, a lot of people, or at least a substantial portion, have sort of forgotten the importance of prayer? I don't know if they have forgotten it. I think sometimes it's um, they they think they will pray, they do other things, and then if that doesn't work, they pray. Right. You know, it's not like it's not a priority, which is why I think God sometimes lets something happen like nine eleven or San Bernardino or forest fires are out of control or snowstorms that just bury someplace for months. You know, it's he. There's something about being desperate and having no other place to turn that forces us to look up and to, to get on our knees. And I think that's why God allows those things to happen. They're really blessings in a way. Uses because, them in a yes. way. Somebody's free will to do something. That's right. Um, that they are going to choose to do no matter what. That's right. The end result of that, God that's uses. Right. Yeah. Which, just think in your own life, the times that you pray the hardest are probably the times that have been bad times, you know, troubled times when something has gone on that you didn't like, or you didn't understand, that's when we pray. I mean, a lot of people go to church at funerals only. There are some people, that's that's the time when they, obviously they have to be there, but there's something drawing them to something bigger that's because right. they're forced that's to right. face their own, you know, immortality, yes, that's right. which is which is fascinating. And um, when we talk about the end of days, I think a lot of people get uncomfortable. Some people don't know a lot about it. And it's something that I've been looking at a lot more lately. Um, it's something you have spoken on. There was a video that you had done. I think it was 2013. It was a couple of years ago. And it was going viral recently. I know some Christian websites had posted it. And then we ended up posting it because I thought this is, I know this isn't, we know this isn't new, but it's resonating. And why is this resonating? Why are people looking at this video? Um, what, why do you think people maybe were kind of taking that clip and spreading it well, when it wasn't something that you had just said? Well, um, in that message, which was very fast, I mean, they gave me like 20 minutes and I just came out like a machine gun, so it was very <laughs> intense. But what I was doing was um, going from Matthew 24, in the Gospel of Matthew uh, chapter 24, when Jesus gave us signs that would indicate we're in the last generation. So I just took those signs and went down and matched them with what I see in the world today. And two of the last ones that he gave were um, the fact that Israel would be reborn. I said the fig tree would put forth leaves, and the generation that sees that is the last generation. And uh, the important thing for me, and maybe this is why it helped go viral, but I was born the same month that Israel, in a sense, was reborn. That's May 1948. And so, so Israel, Isaiah said, who can believe a nation would be born in a day? But Israel was reborn in a day. You think about it. You know, we've always, and especially you, you're so young, but you, you've never known a world without Israel. Right, right. But for 2,000 years, 
Israel was scattered all over the world. Jews were everywhere. They didn't have a homeland. And all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but over a period of time, and especially after World War II, they, they went back to their ancient homeland, speaking their ancient language, the descendants of their ancient people, using their ancient currency even. And, uh, and that was a phenomenon. And Jesus said the generation that sees that take place is the last generation. And then he coupled it with something else when he said, when you see the gospel preached to the whole world, he said, then the end will come. And right now, the gospel is being preached to the whole world. Uh, not, you know, you can get it to maybe not in a live presentation or in your first language, but in your second or third language through the internet, through radio, through ham radio, through printed materials. And the gospel is permeating. It didn't say everybody in the world would hear the gospel, but it would permeate the world and it, for the first time in human history. So you put yeah. those two things together, I believe my, my lifetime is the last generation of human history. And it's so fascinating. There were a couple of things I, I was talking to you before we started recording about a book, that, The Armageddon Code, that I had worked on. And a few things really stuck out to me. The one was Ezekiel, and not just in Ezekiel, but other places, but Ezekiel 36 to 39, because what we're talking about, this reformation, recreation of Israel. But not just that, Persia being mentioned as an enemy, a nation from the north. It just seems strange to me that somebody would be writing that 2,500 years ago. And then we would be here now, and those very same key players and events are, seem to be kind of happening before and it's us. It's interesting, those chapters that you mention in particular um, are not necessarily end of the end times events. They can, I think that's what we see happening right this minute, actually, with Putin coming in and yeah. Assad's, you know, taking over the Golan Heights and then uh, our own president saying that that's part of our peace deal with Syria, that the Golan Heights would have to be given. And you see a coalition that the Bible describes in those chapters, but uh, they need to have a heads up because those chapters prophesy that they will be destroyed. When they come against Israel, they will be supernaturally destroyed by God. When you bring up Syria, you have Isaiah and Jeremiah that's talking right. about a destruction of Damascus. That's and right. I've talked to people on both sides, people who say, oh, that's already come to pass. And yes, Damascus has been attacked in the past, but but it is strange, right? Not destroyed. And, and so... I find it. I find all of this fascinating. And the other thing you mentioned, communication and the gospel going out. And this one's a minor one, and I could be wrong, but the two witnesses in Revelation, I find it really intriguing that there's this line about how everybody in the world will be able to watch that happen. And up until a few decades ago, the thought of everybody in the world being able to watch something happen um, was not possible. So and maybe maybe someone would say, well, that's not literal, but that is an interesting line to me. Right. We would be able to see it on our phones everywhere. Well, there's so many interesting things that indicate that it's soon, and I think that's what people are feeling. They may not know, they may not be able to give answers or research like you've done, but they sense in their spirits that something major is happening. And the prophet Daniel, you know, the, the basis for my book, he was a prophet. His last few chapters cover the, the last of the last days. He was an amazing man, very great. And he prayed and he knew how to get answers to his prayer. In fact, the prayer that I do in Daniel chapter 9, it says while he was praying, while he was confessing his sin, while he was still praying, that's when the angel came and brought him the answer. So his prayer moved heaven and changed his nation. And and just taking the pattern of his prayer, so all these things going on, and you're, you're exactly right, and I, I appreciate the fact that you're thinking about it and trying to write it down so other people can think about it. But I don't think we should get so distracted by that, that we get afraid yeah. and hide and think, oh, no, and wring our hands. We need to get on our knees and pray because God is God. He is in control. It looks like the world's falling apart, but I believe it's falling into place at the feet of Jesus. And he's going to come back and seize control, and he's going to reign and rule in this world with righteousness and justice and peace and love. The that's the hope. That's, that's the, the hope at the end of hope. it. Yeah, not hope so. That's a confidence. He said yeah. so. Yeah. So I know he's coming. And we just don't know when. 
So let's talk about your book, The Daniel Prayer, Prayer That Moves Heaven and Changes Nations. Why did you write it? For the reasons that I just gave, I, I feel very compelled to pray right now. I believe that we're beyond human help, to be honest, Billy. When you look at all the mess going on, and uh, you can have great ideas and you can have some great solutions, but there, every single area of our existence and our culture, government, education, social, race, um, you name it, has major problems. No one person could, you could, you know, no one person can resolve all this unless he's Jesus. Right. So I just feel like we need to get on our knees. I know God has wisdom to give us if we would seek him. I know if we would get on our knees and pray and, and seek him with contrite, repentant hearts. I believe he would move in such a way. He can show us where ISIS is. He can show us where the plots are being made. He can reveal that before you know, they carry them out. He can help resolve the economic situation. He, uh, you know, I know God can do it, but he's not going to do it unless we cry out to him and ask. And, uh, and I don't think that everybody in the United States will ever do that, but I'm just concerned about the ones called by God's name. So those of us who call ourselves Christians, it's time for us to stop pointing our finger at other people, and it's time to confess our own sin and ask God to forgive us and and as a result, pray for our nation with a humble, contrite spirit. And God has said that he would hear our prayer, he would forgive our sin, and he would heal our nation. America needs healing right now. I mean, desperately needs healing, a healing that I believe only God can give. So that's why I feel compelled to pray. And it's interesting because there, there are critics who will say, well, you know, people who believe in the end times, they... You know, they might just sit back and let it all happen because, you know, that's what's supposed to happen. Or maybe they take steps to make it happen. I've heard people say these things. Um, but what you're saying is very different. It's get involved, pray, be involved, try to prevent horrific things from happening. It doesn't change what the end result of the end times might be. But how do you sort of speak to those critics who might say those things? Well, I think, um, let me put it this way. I believe that where our nation is under the judgment of God, not um, like a nuclear strike or a huge earthquake, but where God just backs away. So when we tell him to get out, he does. And he just gradually you know, removes his hand of protection, favor, blessing. And I believe, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing chaos, confusion, fear, anger. And it's because God is missing in our nation, in our culture um, legally, institutionally, governmentally, you know, he, he's, he's missing. A lot of people know him, but, but generally speaking. And so we need to pray and, and bring him back, and maybe as a result of our prayers, and what he would lead us to do as a result of prayer. You can pray, but you can't pray and do nothing, because he'll put something on your heart to, to do that will make a difference. And so as we pray, and he leads us to do what what he impresses us to do, I believe it could either soften his judgment or we could avoid the judgment, prevent the judgment. He can, you know, our response to what we see happening can determine his response to us. So if he comes back in, he can bless us once again. He can make us prosperous. He can protect us. He can make us that uh, city of light on a shining hill or whatever it was. At yeah, yeah. So, you know, so he, so I, I know God can give us hope and a future and bless us once again, but we have to turn to him and ask him to come back in. So to me, it's not just praying and doing nothing. If you're really praying, the prophet Daniel really prayed, and he got an answer from heaven, but that led him in chapter 10. In fact, I end the book on chapter 10 because he was praying very concerned about what he didn't understand. And the prayer, the answer to prayer didn't come right away. It was delayed for three weeks, and then when it came, it was an answer to his prayer for the end times. So, so what... 
the answer to his prayer actually helps us understand where we are right now in human history. So it was amazing. Um, you can't just pray and pray without God moving in your own heart to cause you to do something. And it may be just reaching out to people who need to know about hope and they need to know God before time runs out. You know, maybe um, I, I think it should motivate us to share the love of God with other people. I think it should motivate us to share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. I think it should motivate us to get involved and help others. So um, so I, I cannot imagine somebody who truly believes that right. Jesus is soon to come. And we're going to stand before him and tell him that we did nothing, knowing he was coming back soon. I wouldn't want to be that person right. who would no, absolutely. for nothing. And I think those critiques are not don't really... Under, they don't understand really the full scope of yeah. Christianity. They don't really get it. Um, and it is interesting, every, you know, that confusion you mentioned, it seems to be everywhere. You know, in the presidential race, it's sort of like everywhere. I mean, it's just everywhere. It's like, wow, who would have thought these would be the candidates? Who would have thought? And it's not just the, I mean, the Caitlyn Jenner thing. You can go down the line of all of the societal things that have happened and the reaction that has happened to them, and you just feel like something is off yeah. and not quite right. Something's really off. Something's really off. And every day it gets stranger. I mean, every day it just gets weirder and weirder. And, and we've left the foundation. We've left our moral and spiritual foundation. The foundation is still there. It's still strong. But we as a nation have left it. And I don't think everybody has. I think the, the people that get the attention, whether it's media, whether it's the talking heads or the people that, you know, they're the ones that seem to be driving our nation yes. and dictating how we think, what we say, what we decide, the politically correct. It's distracting, know. though, too. And and that is a force. I mean, there's almost That's a right. force there yes, of being there distracted is. and feeling you're on your phone. You're, it's just, There's right. almost this, you can feel that heaviness. And I don't bring the Caitlyn Jenner thing up to start a conversation about it or to, to disparage Caitlyn Jenner. I bring it up because of the media reaction to it. Within five minutes, the media really made a decision of how that was going to go how you would view that issue, not just the person. Um, and that was the strange element to me of that, of just how quickly that, and I think a lot of things are happening that way. When I'll give you an example. I come from North Carolina, and we have the HB2 bill, which is to protect our children. I have three granddaughters, and they're uh, going into their teen years. And, and to protect them in the locker room, to protect them in a women's bathroom. And, but, but within, like you said, five minutes of that bill being passed to protect our children, then uh, the media decides that they're going to come down on North Carolina. And so companies say they're pulling out. They're, and now the, the U.S. Justice Department is saying that what we decided as a state and our legislature and our governor it cannot be upheld by law, that it's, it's not constitutional. It's just stunning. It, it is. And it's fascinating on that issue because I, I keep hearing people say, in fact, Caitlyn Jenner say, well, you know, transgender people aren't these evil, horrible people. I don't think, to me, that's not the point. The point is people will manipulate a law to do evil, horrible that's things. Right. And it probably won't be transgender that's people. Right. It will probably, I mean, that's a whole other issue of what children see in bathrooms and stuff. But it will be people who, we know this happens, go into a bathroom with very evil intentions. Right. And with cell phones and videotaping. It and happens. Yes, it All does. the time. I mean, this is, yes. in fact, there was just a case, I think, a week ago. There was one in 2013. This is not out of the question or, I mean, I think to have concern about it is a rational thing. And many liberal people have concerns about it, too. Yeah, so this is not just a conservative but it's, but issue. But to make your point, that as soon as that bill was signed, yeah. then immediately the spin starts and and... The companies, and so you would think the whole United States of America was against North Carolina and what we did. When I'll guarantee you, the majority of people in our country agree with what we did, but somehow that force that you're talking about has just come down on us. And I think, you know, I believe in good and evil. I believe in the devil and I believe in God. And I believe that force, there's an evil, wicked force 
that's trying to uh, destroy that which is good and that which pleases God, destroy us from turning to God and keep us from you know, finding the answers and the solutions because the, the force, if you want to call it that, <laughs> it's very Star Star Wars. But yeah. it feel you feel that though. It's that feeling of something not being right. Let me ask you my, my last question for you, and I could talk to you for hours about all this. Um, what do you want people? And you've spoken a little bit uh, to this, but what do you want people to feel and think and experience after reading the Daniel prayer? I want people to pray as Daniel did. I want them to pray like they've never prayed before. I had a friend who read the book, and when she finished, she said, "I can do this." You know, it's not lofty, it's not hard, it's not, you know, it's um, something you can wrap your mind around and your heart around. And, uh, and I would just like to see millions of people, uh, and selling the book is not nearly as important to me as people reading the book, and as a result, praying like Daniel prayed. So in the end of the book, I actually write prayers for people for each section of the book to give them an example of how they can pray their own prayers using this pattern. I put blank pages in the back so they can write out their own prayers, because Writing my prayers helps me keep my concentration. So one of the most impactful things that Daniel has taught is that he was reading the book of Jeremiah and he came across that promise and, it, and his prayer is really praying that back to God. It's what Eugene Peterson calls reverse thunder. And we can take God's word and pray it back to him because God says he watches over his word to make sure it's fulfilled, that his word will never return void. Jesus. That's a really interesting concept. Yeah, yeah, Jesus said not one jot or tittle would disappear from his word until all was fulfilled. And so you take God's word as promise, and you say, God, are you promising me? Is this what you're saying that I'm going to hold you to it? So it is an example. We use that Second Chronicles 7.14. It's God, you said, if your people who are called by your name will humble themselves, pray, seek your face, and repent of our wicked ways, then God, you said that you would hear from heaven, forgive our sin, and heal our land. So God, we're holding you to your word. So, but I have to keep the condition. I have to humble myself, pray, seek his face, and repent of my sin. And then he promises that he will hear and forgive and bless. Well, I love it. This has been great. We're going to have to have you back on for I'd love sure. To come back, Billy. Thank well, thank you. you so much. It's been great. founder of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house he's you know he's kind of an important guy and he said to his wife if this is what it's like for us how do people who have no clout ever get around this so he started a company and it went into business i think three years ago their deal is their word is their bond and they are people that listen to this show they are just like you now how can i say that because i'm the founder of the company realestateagentsitrust.com